Today I'm going to put on my lawyer hat, or suit if you will, and make the case for UNLV to join the Pac-12. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. If you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. If you're on YouTube, you might have seen that just a moment ago. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, post your job for free, at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So when I was in high school, I did a number of extra extracurricular activities. One of them was mock trial. I enjoyed it quite a bit before I decided to become a sportscaster. I very heavily considered being a lawyer because I like being in a courtroom setting. And that's where I'm going to be today. I'm going to put on my lawyer hat. I'm going to suit up metaphorically. I should have put on one of my actual suits, but get the tie all nice and tight. And I'm going to make the case for UNLV to join the Pac-12. Now, might I remind you that a lawyer's job is not to necessarily agree with his or her client, but rather to make the case for the client who has hired that lawyer. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be UNLV's lawyer today. Because this is a little bit outside the box in a way. But, Your Honor, members of the jury, we are looking for an expansion team or two or three or four in the Pac-12. And today I present to you the case for the Rebels of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, more commonly known as UNLV. I understand what your first reaction is going to be. I know what your first reaction is going to be. They've been terrible in football. Yes. Yes, they have. They have been a struggling football program. Many of you are probably commenting in the comments on YouTube right now. They've been so bad. I don't want them. I don't want this. And I understand that. I understand your frustration. I really, really do. Here's what I'd like you to consider. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, when looking to expand, generally speaking, yes, we are in a new new age of conference realignment, but geographical proximity, location, and logic do still play into a conference's decision here. And don't think that that wasn't wasn't the case for the L.A. schools going to the Big Ten. The Big Ten wanted to tap into that particular market. But might I start on the geographical front? Is the campus of UNLV, right in the heart of Las Vegas, Sin City, America's playground, does it make geographical sense for the Pac-12? Why, of course it does. In fact, the Pac-12 already plays its checks notes. Basketball tournaments there, men and the women, as well as its football championship game, which has been 
a wild success to move it to Allegiant Stadium. Hmm. Interesting. The population of Las Vegas at this point in time is just over 600,000 people. Uh, more than double that of Boise, Idaho. For any of you who might prefer the Broncos of Boise State and their beloved blue turf to join the Pac-12. UNLV has a bigger market. And might I also remind the members of the jury that when you are investing in the stock market, it is wise to buy low and sell high. It is a very rudimentary rule of stock trading. And Las Vegas right now feels like a stock from a media market standpoint that you can buy at a relatively low price. Because right now the population is 600,000. Go look at the population of that city over the last several years. It's going upwards, that direction. As in the direction that caused my arm to nudge my microphone, just there. It doesn't show any signs of slowing down. It's a popular place. You got a lot of events, you got a lot of hotels, you got a lot of economic activity. Yeah, you have some trouble that people can get into, sure, but kids can get into trouble wherever they go. Now, the question that has to be answered is, would they be able to be competitive? Because they haven't been a competitive program in the Mountain West. They have not been able to field a competitive football team. They have had just two winning seasons since the year 2000. Since we joined this century as a species, they've been over 500 twice. Now, why has that been the case? Is it because they have no recruiting backyard potential? Hmm. No, that's not it at all. Because players of the four-star caliber and of the Power Five caliber more broadly, are recruited out of our great city of Las Vegas every single year. Hmm. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Well, is it because they're too geographically isolated? Well, no, you're not that far from Arizona, where you have a lot of good recruits. There are some good players in Utah. You're not far from California. So wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. Why, why hasn't UNLV football been good? Well, <laughs> players must not want to go there. Because they don't have the facilities. Mm, wrong you are. Wrong you are. Because compared to other Power 5 programs, several other Power 5 programs, UNLVs are at least comparable. They're not miles and miles behind. Need I remind you that if they were to make the jump into the Pac-12, they would have more money available. They could upgrade what facilities they did need to. But if you've been on UNLV's campus or been to the stadium they play, which is at Allegiant Stadium, if memory serves, you've never once looked around and thought, yeah, they need, a, they need more money. They need more investment. Mm, no, not quite. Could they use a few big money, big money boosters? Who couldn't? Who couldn't? So why have they been bad? The answer is they haven't been hiring the right coaches. UNLV is not a program that needs oodles and oodles of cash and rebuilding and retooling and fixing and all this sort of stuff, they don't need a complete teardown to become competitive. They need the right coach. They need the right coach who can recruit. They need the right coach who can win games on the field, and they haven't made that hire yet. They have not, but they could, but they could. And some places you'd say they're more than just one coach away. 
UNLV is not that not that place. Would it take time? Yes, most question unquestionably would take time. Not going to argue that particular point today here in this courtroom of YouTube and podcasts wherever you listen. Thanks so much for doing that, by the way. I'll snap back into lawyer mode now. Well, it, 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 do, do they have enough money? Do they have enough students who are there? Would people actually go to the games? Hmm. Their student population is just over 31,000 students. Their endowment as a university is comparable, less for sure, but in the same ballpark as San Diego State. Is anyone questioning whether or not the Aztecs should become the next member of the Pac-12? No. In fact, many of you have said on many videos I've done here on the show, the Aztecs would be a logical addition to the league, of which I agree. But the Rebels deserve their fair share of consideration. And there are more points on this front that I shall present to you in support of UNLV's case to join the Pac-12. There is also a very strong case that if you're a small business, you need to be checking out LinkedIn jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Maybe that's how UNLV needs to find their correct football coach. They got to check out LinkedIn Jobs because they help you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We resume our time in the courtroom here this afternoon. I appreciate you so much taking the time to do just that. The football team has some work to do. Yes, that is unquestionably true. But with the right coaching hire, it can be done. There was a point in time when Stanford was a doormat of the Pac-12, then the Pac-10. And then they made the right hire. And suddenly they were a year-in, year-out contender up until David Shaw lost a little bit of that momentum. It took quite a long time, need I remind you, but Stanford was really, really bad. Washington, not the same, but had an 0-12 season. You know what they did? They made better coaching hires. That is what UNLV needs to do. Do they need to reassess? Of course. But would moving into a higher level conference attract a higher level coaching candidate? Attract a higher level quality of recruits? My argument would be yes. And though football is what drives the bus here in all this conference realignment talk, we need not ignore basketball because when March Madness comes around, there's a lot of money at stake. TV contracts, exposure for conferences, getting wins, all that stuff matters. UNLV would be very similar to adding a Maryland or Rutgers to the Big Ten because they would be able to compete in basketball more readily available so than football. Was that the best wording possible? Not really, no. But I'm in lawyer mode, so forgive me for a moment. I didn't actually go to law school, but Maryland and Rutgers were added to the Big Ten, which is the gold standard conference. Everything is great. 
Everything's amazing. They're getting a bunch of money. They're doing this, that, and the other thing. For those of you concerned about UNLV's ability to go in there and win a conference championship like some people think USC might do by the time they get to the Big Ten, uh, let me ask you this. Have Maryland and Rutgers ever played in a Big Ten conference championship game? Answer, Ken Jennings. No, that's correct for, for, for 400. No, I didn't think so. So why were Maryland and Rutgers added to the Big Ten? Because it was a geographical play. They wanted to expand their reach. And dominating the Las Vegas market as the Pac-12, where you already have a footprint as a conference, expanding upon that in a market from a media, fan, and recruiting standpoint that only appears to be growing year after year after year, seems there could be some pretty solid logic to that particular play. My closing argument for the Running Rebels concerns a member of the league whom we're all very aware of and have been for some time despite their struggles. And that place is Colorado. Remember when Colorado was added to the Pac-12 along with Utah back in 2011? When they joined, granted from a Power 5 conference, they'd had just one 10-win season since 2000. A decade plus of football. One 10-win season. They've only had one since joining the Pac-12. Is anyone saying Colorado should be dismissed from the Pac-12 at this point in time? Or were they one coaching hire away from being relevant? There is a difference between the two programs, yes. Colorado won in the 90s. UNLV has had just two winning seasons in a worse conference since 2000. These are not points I will attempt to concede from you, or conceal from you, rather, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. But the initial reaction to UNLV joining the Pac-12 will most certainly be, they're no good. They can't win. They can't do this, that, and the other thing. But Your Honor, everyone listening or watching the show right now, I would like to remind you, there is more to college sports than just winning for every individual program. Colorado has not been a winner, and yet they're a great thing for the Pac-12 right now because they made the right hire. And UNLV, if presented with that opportunity, could do the same. Thank you for listening. Okay, I'll snap out of lawyer mode now. Uh, let me know in the comments if I would have been a terrible lawyer. I think I could have been okay in a courtroom, but, you know, uh, that is the case for UNLV, though. The, the, the geographical play, the media market play, all of that stuff makes a lot of sense. And I don't think you need to add them expecting them to be a winner in football. They'd be competitive in basketball, though, right? San Diego State might not win a Pac-12 championship for a long time, but they've shown that they can get their basketball team to a really high level. UNLV can do that, too. UNLV, like Colorado football, late 20th century, history of winning, Jerry Tarkanian, running Rebels, I'm just saying. Now, is it my top choice to add personally? No. Why did I make that entire case? Number one, thought it was interesting. Number two, I was a lawyer. Lawyers represent whatever client hires them. 
And UNLV in that particular moment without knowing it hired me to make that case. So I did. But would they be my top choice? No. Is there a very real possibility in my view that George Klyovkov is considering this? Absolutely. I think it is absolutely being considered. All right, that's enough UNLV talk for now. If you have any questions on any points I made or anything, by all means, YouTube comments, Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12 or at Smalls underscore 55. Moving on on today's show. Gosh, that was fun. I need to do that more often. I did that on a sports talk radio segment years ago. I liked it then, kind of liked it now. If you didn't like it, I'll never do it again. I had fun with it. But um, And by the way, if you want me to make a particular case, I will make a case for any team I will make a case for any team that you want. I'll put on the lawyer hat whether I agree with it or not. I would not add UNLV if I were the Pac-12, but I understand why they would. I would go San Diego State and probably Fresno. Probably. Probably Fresno. But I like the idea of dipping in Texas too. So many different ways. Gosh, expansion is fascinating. Anyway. The Pac-12 came in a bowl season, and if you listen to this show regularly, thank you for doing that, you know I had high hopes. I had high hopes after the league had its best regular season in about a decade, nine, ten years. It's been a long time. And the Pac-12 went out in bowl season, got off to a really good start. Oregon State wiped the floor with Florida, as they should have. Washington State didn't expect them to win. They weren't competitive. That's okay. They've got a new OC. I'm going to close today's show with that. But then Oregon squeaked out a win. And then things started to go downhill. Was not what we were hoping for. Utah, second straight year losing to the Rose Bowl. Even if Cam Rising stays healthy, I don't think they win that game. USC, collapse. UCLA, collapse. Now, some of you have quipped, and I understand why. Well, the Pac-10 actually went 3-2. and two. Okay. Great. But I want to go beyond that point because I think the league going 3-4 and four in bowl season says something about the Pac-12 this year that we've seen in previous years as well. And I hope won't be the case going forward because when you lose USC more so than UCLA, the rest of the country is going to be looking for something from the league with that slightly lower level of competition football-wise without the LA schools. They're going to be looking for something that the league didn't have this year and that they haven't had in previous years that's been the reason they've stayed out of the playoffs. I will tell you what that is after I tell you about my friends, of course, at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Heck, you might be able to bet whether or not UNLV is the next member to join the Pac-12 because they've got it all. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season and basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. The Pac-12 didn't have a great team this year. That's what a 3-4 and four bowl season says. They had a lot of good teams. I'm not trying to take away from what was a fantastic year. I am 
privileged to be able to cover it in the way that I do talk about it here, engage with all of you, go back and forth, share thoughts, opinions, insight, all that sort of stuff. It was a blast. It was great. I think it did a lot to gain respect for the league nationally, especially for programs like Oregon State, Washington to re-enter the fold after going four and eight last year. Dan Lanning, 10 years in in year one. That looks good. Deion Sanders getting hired by Colorado in the offseason looks great, right? All that's at Utah, two-time Pac-12 champions. All this stuff is still really good, and you can't take that away. But I think going three and four, when I, I said at least four wins, was hoping for five, is reflective of the, of the fact there wasn't a great team in the league this year. There were a lot of really good teams, but there wasn't a great team. Go through everyone that won nine or more games. USC, their defense allowed over 40 points three times. They were too reliant on turnovers. Talked about it all season long. Came to bite them in the end when Utah and Tulane protected the ball enough and put up you know, 40 points in three separate games. Utah, the offense was probably missing another weapon or two. Can be a little conservative at times. The defensive losses from last year, I think, really reared their head once Clark Phillips wasn't there. And you just didn't have as many high-end playmakers. Still a very good team. But these are all the shortcomings I'm I'm pointing out here to to show you what I'm saying. There wasn't a great team. Because when you look at great teams like TCU, like Georgia, like Michigan, like Ohio State, you can still be really good. But you're going to be you're still going to be flawed at some level or in some way when, when you're a great team but not to this extent. I I just think you look at these sorts of flaws and say, yeah, okay, you had a lot of really good teams. You didn't have a great team because a great team doesn't have the sorts of shortcomings I'm talking about here. Washington, elite offense, leading passer in the country. How in the world did you lose to a 3-9 and Arizona State team by allowing 45 points? How'd you do that? How'd you do it? Again, really good, not great. Oregon got torched through the air all year. Special teams was a disaster against Oregon State. And the defense kind of threw in the towel, let in a bunch of points. I mean, they blew it, right? That was a theme for them all season long. Their defense would play well, but then they would get hammered in the late third and and in the fourth quarter. And then it came to fruition against Oregon State. And it came to fruition against Washington too. Good, not great. UCLA, they got caught looking ahead to USC in that Arizona game. He loses a 20-point favorite at home. Defense, still not up to par. Offense, really, really good. Bunch of great players. Really good team. Not a great one. Look at that Hall or the Sun Bowl against Pitt. You're up 28 to 14. Had how'd you lose that game? You're nine-point favorite for a reason on neutral side because Pitt had a bunch of opt-outs. And you couldn't get it going. Good team, not great. Oregon State had a really good season. Honestly, of all the teams in the Pac-12, Oregon State and Washington probably feel the the best as as fan bases right now. They probably do. Utah lost the Rose Bowl again. USC lost their last two games. Came up short of going to the playoff. Uh, Oregon, you know, feels good after winning the Holiday Bowl, but losing two or three to their arch rivals in the fashion that they did doesn't feel great. UCLA stumbled to the finish line, went three and four down the stretch after a six and zero start, including a win against Washington. Like, good, not great, but Oregon State had a remarkable season with a backup quarterback. 
And if they'd had a higher level of quarterback play, like you're not going to get that far with a backup quarterback at Oregon State. You can get that far with a backup quarterback at Ohio State, at Alabama, but not at Oregon State because it puts a little bit of a ceiling there. There were a lot of really good teams. There wasn't a great one. And going forward, the league needs to have a great team. Because when you're losing USC and UCLA and the perception is, oh, it's weak, it's done, it's falling apart, it's okay, yada, 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 you need to have a great team. I don't think it really matters who it is. Probably, you know, for branding purposes, needs to be one of Washington, Oregon, or Utah. But you need to have at least one great team going forward. That's how you get back into the playoff. That's why the Pac-12 hasn't been in the playoff. They've had a lot of good teams, but they haven't had a great team. There have been too many critical flaws that have reared their heads in critical moments to keep Pac-12 teams continually coming up short from getting back into the top four in the CFP. Uh, Final thing for today's show. Washington State hired its new offensive coordinator. His name is Ben Arbuckle. He spent this season as the co-offensive coordinator at the number two passing offense in the country, second only to Washington at Western Kentucky out of Conference USA, second coordinator to get hired in the Pac-12 from Conference USA, USA, Will Stein, who comes over from UTSA, is going to be Oregon's offensive coordinator. Fascinating thing about these guys. Will Stein is young. He's 33. Um, Ben Arbuckle is, wait for it, 27 years old. He is the youngest Power 5 coordinator in the country now fascinating fascinating hire here is a washington state offense that was 44th in passing this year and 80th overall their run game really struggled at times but jake dicker clearly wants to have a pass heavy approach and with cam ward at quarterback might not be a bad idea but eric morris who came over in the offseason with cam ward moved on to go be the head coach at north texas but arbuckle was a division two quarterback at west texas a&m and I, I tell you, th- this is this is a risky hire. It, it it is a risky hire. He had a lot of success this year. This year, twenty seven years old. I think that's got boomer bust potential. I I really do. I think that's always the case with young coaches, right? They're either a young up and comer who were going to get hired by someone if you didn't hire them at that point in time in a year or two anyway, or they're getting too much too fast, and they're a little over their skis and the lack of, you know, a lot of experience there kind of shows. But really interesting hire there for Washington State. And I'm very curious what the offense looks like next year with Cam Ward, presumably back at quarterback. Uh, man, when Cam Ward is like your sixth best quarterback in the league, you got some you got some players coming back at that position next year. So that was fun. Send me any and all questions you've got about literally anything, any team. I will answer right here on the show, Twitter, YouTube comments, wherever tickles your fancy. That's how we're ending the show today. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.